because that was one of the best like champagne moments of my life. I love it. Right. I love Cheers it. Cheers to that. you're joining us again or for the first time just a quick reminder that I am not a licensed sex therapist or um, a licensed sex coach I am simply a person who is interested in creating space for us to explore our sensuality sexuality and eroticism through conversation and inquiry We have some notes and links at the end of the show for resources, and we invite guests with their own expertise and experiences. We welcome love and feedback, especially when it helps us to be more inclusive. Welcome to our show. In the studio with me today, we have a wonderful guest here with us today, the beautiful, radiant, vibrant Kenya Asa. And um, Kenya is a self-care strategist, yoga teacher, author, and radio hostess who I have had the pleasure of being on um, your show. And I'm so happy that now you're on mine. I am so happy, too. It was so delightful to have you on our show. So it's nice to flip the tables. We were kind of like vibing, like having like a really dope conversation. And um, Kenya has a show with two guys and they're phenomenal. Mm -hmm. But I was kind of like, I just need to sit down with Kenya and we really need to just get into some things. Yes, because that that (laughs) that woman energy is a whole different vibe. The wild woman energy too. Amen to that. <laughs> yes, you you have this um, presence about you when you mm. come into the room that I just really respect and gravitate to mm. because, um, like one, like many beautiful black women, you cannot tell how old you are. If you tell me you're twenty five, I'm gonna believe you. <laughs> and like I. I remember uh, just from the questions you were asking me that day, just being like, this woman is like a soul sister. Like, I just, I feel, I feel that there's something about maybe the life path we're on that is kindred. Mm-hmm. And um, when we talk, I feel like I learn so much from our conversations. Mm-hmm. So I'm so happy to have that energy with us today. Thank you so much. I feel the same, actually. And Age ain't nothing but a number, especially when it comes to learning from other sisters. You know, you can always learn no matter how old or how young you are, and you can always be a teacher no matter how how old or how, how young you are. You know, we can always learn. And, you know, learning for me is not linear. 
And it's, mm-hmm. it's a journey. It's always a journey, you know? And so meeting you was just such a blessing. So it's so cool to be here. I'm so happy you're here. Um, so the first question I usually ask people before we get into the wonderful work that you do is, um, what do people need to know about you in order to listen in loving community? Because we do have a wonderful community of people who engage in conversation with us on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I like to be thoughtful about like, as you're listening, let's like set an intention for how people can really listen to you with an open heart. Mm, I love that. You know, um, I think that what is some the thing that I'm the most passionate about is being in community with other people, particularly other women, and just growing a community, a sisterhood um, of women of color and all women, you know, where we are lifting and supporting each other and feeling empowered by that energy that we share with each other, you know. I think that um, that is really kind of my entire life's work Mm -hmm. is just all of us healing or being on the healing journey because healing is not necessarily an end. (laughs) It's not necessarily an end goal or a possible end goal for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. It is a journey, you know, and so many of us have something to heal from and we're not even necessarily always talking about it. Yeah, for um, sure. Not necessarily always aware mm-hmm. of it. And it's not, it's so nice to be in a trusting relationship with other sisters where you feel like this is my soft place, right? Mm. This is my space where I can um, be myself mm-hmm. and where I can you know, work on healing my wounds Mm -hmm. and work on healing my body, Mm -hmm. um, which is a big deal. Like for me as a uh, African-American yoga teacher, Mm -hmm. there aren't a lot of us in that space. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's really important to me that to open that up and to let women know that this is for you. Mm -hmm. This space is for you, Mm -hmm. you know, and we can all be here and we can all share our gifts together because everybody that comes into my, you know, arena has gifts to share, you know, and I want, I want some of those gifts. I want people to share their gifts with me and I want to share my gifts with, with them. And so that's kind of just, it's, it's simple. I probably made it sound more complex than it actually is, but it's very simple, you know. It's it's simple and complex. Yeah. And that's the beauty of it is like love is a really simple principle. Belonging belonging is a really simple principle, mm-hmm. but the practice of it is very nuanced and complex and complicated. Absolutely. Especially as it intersects with so many so many other things. Mm-hmm. And um, I was telling you this on the way up in the elevator, but like you're just such a gift that keeps on giving because the more we talk, the more I learn about all the experiences you've had oh in life gosh. that I'm like, Kenya, we just need to have we just need to like have a three 
part episode where we can talk about all of the things that you've done. Oh my gosh. And um, I, what I appreciate is like, we're, we're going to talk a little bit about the communities that you've created, mm. but we, uh, we have some like specific work that we decided we would talk about, yeah. but now I'm like, damn, I want to talk about this sisterhood building. I want to oh, talk about man. these communities. Yeah. Um, because I know like, something people I think people should know about you is that you are like a teacher and a facilitator. Mm -hmm. Like you are definitely someone who is always learning and listening, Mm -hmm. but also like you've stepped in um, to do some really like critical, important work in so many different facets. And you have a a love of like sharing with people um, that is really, uh, experience based mm-hmm. research writing storytelling and like we got to talk about that too <laughs> <laughs> totally yeah so we're gonna talk about some of your <clears throat> gifts today yeah. but I guess people just know like there's so many gifts to you that I can't wait to talk to you more about thank you so one uh surprise that I got to learn about you when yeah. Um, we were on the phone together talking about your episode Mm -hmm. is um, that you are actually a published erotic um, fiction writer. Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah, yeah. We have a lot of, um, people know this, but like I am, I don't necessarily consider myself an erotic poetry person but I do write a lot of erotic poetry I write a lot about love and Mm -hmm. intimacy and yearning and you know like it sounds like you actually are an erotic I know but like (laughs) I've been running away from the label I think for a while claim it well that's the place I'm in where I'm just like you know what and I think also too because um uh, it's it's been an interesting journey of finding my voice too because Mm -hmm hearing my voice for the first time I was telling someone else's the other day but it was so sexy like when I heard my voice on the mic I was like wow like there's this whole part of me that I've been kind of shrinking Mm. and now I just want to like get in my sexy wig wear something sexy and stand on a stage and just really pull up on a mic and talk to people yes oh my god I'm so here for it I'm so here for it please invite me to whatever uh, that is (laughs) and I yeah I feel like I've shied away from it for a really Mm. long time but I'm just in a season of like yeah nah if this is if people want to listen to me talk because they like my voice and they like my titties Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. you know what this it is it's part of who I am. It's not everything that I am, but I'm going to explore it. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, we do get to a yeah. season at some point where we are ready to embrace like our erotic goddess. Right. Mm-hmm. And it is not necessarily something that we are raised to accept yeah. or promote. Oh gosh, this is giving me Audrey Lord vibes. Oh my God, that is the <laughs> biggest compliment I think I've ever had, okay? But yeah, I mean, I think that that's really the way we are raised as women in this country that our erotic side, our sensual side, our sexy side is something to hold back mm-hmm. or to not be proud of or to not 
share with the world and to keep it to yourself, you know, to keep it inside your head, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, not even necessarily inside your bedroom, because heaven forbid, Mm -hmm. we're with a partner and we just let go and go off. And then it's, you know, you can be judged just by that, you know. And so um, I think that we all do get to, um, if we're lucky and if we're open to exploring all of the facets of ourselves, right? And that being such a critical one um, that should not be held back, should not be, you know, should not be something that we're shamed for. Mm. And a lot of the work I do with women is letting go of shame because Mm. shame is what causes a lot of our traumas. Of course, traumatic events will cause our our traumas, trauma from our childhood, you know, things like that, abuse and neglect. You know, I was a Mm. social worker for 20 something odd Mm. years. Um, But also shame that isn't really ours to bear or should not be ours to bear. Um, it's, It's one of those things that can really hold us down and impede our growth and impede our happiness, just living a happy life. And so- a lot of that comes from sexual shame, religious, mm-hmm. religious yeah. sexual mm-hmm. shame, things like that. And um, I think it's really time in the world that we're living in now mm-hmm. to kind of let that go. Absolutely. Yeah. It's so interesting. Yeah. Shame is, is one of the reasons this podcast exists because mm. I wanted to move past my own shame mm. and just started like learning things and wanted to share them with people and talk about I'm like so curious to hear everyone's experience mm-hmm. um and so yeah like absolutely and I think for me when I started really embracing the erotic sexual sensual voice in my poetry it was because I wanted to revisualize experiences where I felt empowered Mm -hmm. and where there wasn't shame there so that I could have more of them. It's like, if I can, if I can make this concrete, I can continue to like figure out how to find this. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. But how, how did you get into uh, like writing and publishing your erotic stories? Well, I started writing just stories, fiction, when I was a little girl, probably when I was about 10. And fortunately, I am always recording what I write. So Mm. I have been finding journals and I still have my fifth grade diary. And (laughs) and yeah, so and I've been finding all kinds of really interesting journals lately that have to do with like a very sensual part of my life, you know, which is so exciting. I'm so sexy. It's so it is so sexy. Let me tell you, it's been great. It's I'm like, been really why great. am I not writing down my trysts with yeah. people while oh they're happening? Gosh. Yeah, because I mean, I found this journal um, in my garage maybe a year or so ago, and it had a story in there that what I thought I would never ever see again um, about a real experience that I had Mm. with somebody that I loved very much. And it was so 
interesting to find it and to kind of find where I was at that time in my life mm. and to kind of revisit and rehear mm. what what was going on mm. in, in my life at that time. Mm. And it was so emotional for me. Like I cried because it's, I think one of the things that happens when you are older and you're a wife and a mom and you're focused on being a wife and a mom is you like literally forget that person that you were in the beginning, yeah. like the real you. Yeah. And so one of the mm. reasons why I have close friends that I keep close to me is because those people knew me just when I was just me, Yeah, you know, yeah. when I was just this autonomous person and it's so nice to be able to read what I was writing back in those days mm. and I'm like oh my god that's who I am <laughs> that's me yeah. you know not necessarily the person whose life revolves around writing the grocery list yeah <laughs> I wanted to write about touching somebody's body that I loved mm. I wanted to write about that person's sweat dripping on my, oh my body. God. I wanted to, you know, so it's so, oh. it, it's so beautiful. <laughs> right? I'm going to go home and write after this yes, is over. Cause yes. I'm just like, I'm so glad I didn't even get to tell you guys about the experience, but it's okay. But I'm thinking of one right now that I'm just like, Oh yeah, I want to have more of those. Yeah. I need to write down these feelings because I want to relive this over and over again. Yes. It is beautiful. I wanted to ask you, too, because um, something you're getting at that I'm always so curious about. Um, I, I recently read um, James Baldwin's Giovanni's Room. Ooh. And have you read it? I have read a lot of James Baldwin. I've seen that, but okay, I, okay. I, have not, I haven't read it yet. It, essentially, it's a love story, but it mm. is so powerful and moving because... The room is essentially, this won't ruin this for anyone, but um, the room is essentially a metaphor for four walls that protect a couple from everything that's going on, mm. excuse me, in the mm. outside world. Mm -hmm. And when he writes about what's in the room, it's so beautiful and passionate and real and we've all felt it, even though we might not be able to put ourselves in the shoes of those characters. Mm -hmm. We've all felt that feeling of falling in love and having that tug and pull with mm -hmm. someone. Yeah. And then he contextualizes it by everything that's going on in society that's affecting the two people mm -hmm. and that they ultimately can't overcome to be in that room together. Mm. And um, I, when I read that, I, I was like, this is like a romance novel, but like it has so much depth. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes people forget about to write about the things that are, pushing up against because mm -hmm. our relationships are full of power dynamics and trying to navigate ourselves in text and subtext yes. and like sometimes uh it's important to think about everything that was happening around oh my that romance absolutely yeah and that's like my favorite writing to read is like you described in your journals, yeah. like knowing about all of the things that are happening yeah yeah and it's it's a learning and a relearning experience just about yourself, which I think is what's, what's so important when you read anything, when you read somebody else's work. Um, I think a lot of times what we're doing is we're 
relating that to ourselves, we have a tendency to enjoy things that we can relate to mm-hmm. when we're reading. And even if it's not something that we've experienced, even if it's some sort of dystopian nightmare, we can think about, oh my gosh, what would it be like for, you know, or this is how I would feel if I were living through something similar to that. Mm-hmm. And so I think when we're writing our own experiences or even something that's like adjacent to our own experiences or something that's likened to um, our own experiences or those of somebody that we're really close to. Mm -hmm. I think what it really helps us to connect deeper to who we really are because it makes us think Mm -hmm. so hard, you know, because it's impossible to experience good writing or incredible writing Mm -hmm. like James Baldwin or, you know, there, I could name a million people, but Mm -hmm. it's impossible to do that without thinking how, how would I feel in this situation or how, how do I feel Mm -hmm. just experiencing this through the, through the reading, the experience of reading, because reading is in and of itself such a deep experience. Mm -hmm. I've been a reader and a writer my entire life. Mm. Um, I'm always reading and for pleasure, for learning, for information, because I work with people, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm, I work with people who, you know, might have some sort of healing that needs to happen that I'm not familiar with. Mm -hmm. And so if I'm reading and learning and capturing those experiences, um, then I can help other people. Yes. Yeah. I love the idea of empowerment, um, through that as well. And something that it made me think of is, um, I started writing erotic short stories very recently Mm. and it's been almost therapeutic because, a lot of the stories are coming from this one particular like relationship. And I'm thinking about how to like hyperbolize certain things or how to like um, maybe have the situation end differently than it actually ended. I love that. Right. But, and it's like so therapeutic to like Mm. imagine, yeah, something different or to really, suss out something that maybe seemed like a small deal but when I hyperbolize it I realize like oh no actually this was a lot bigger deal we were just not talking about it as much as we should have been or like whatever the case may be um but yeah I I found empowerment in being able to um have situations reflected differently or to be seen from another perspective, even by myself, through mm. characters, yeah. you know, not even me, just like I'm yes. taking a bird's eye view. But all of our characters are a li- <laughs> have a little bit of us in them. Definitely. You know, yeah. no matter what gender or stage or station in life, any character that we create has a little bit of us in them. Definitely. You know, mm-hmm. um, and I, when I really started getting into erotic writing was when I was a freshman or a sophomore, I think, in college. Mm. And me and one of my friends, we wrote a lot of stories. We were constantly writing short stories. And I just, I mean, it was just such a way. And sometimes I would be traveling across country or in the car, you know, or my parents driving from this place to whatever. And I went to college in Atlanta. Shout Mm. out to Spelman. (laughs) Oh, okay. 
<laughs> yeah. And um, and so then I'd be writing in the back in the back seat, you know, and just writing different stories. And each of those characters was a little part of of me, you yeah, know, and it sure. and it's a way to express yourself in a way that you can't in regular life, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, like I've been <laughs> I've been <laughs> I haven't been having <laughs> sex uh with with other people I've been monogamous mm-hmm. um for a little while and I've been doing kink exploration through Ooh. writing short stories yeah <laughs> because you know and now I'm like oh I want to get back out there I want to like show up to a scene like yeah. I'm ready to go but it was so therapeutic for me to think through like scenarios and characters personas you know and just like mm-hmm. make up these whole worlds and now I feel like I, I, I want to get into it. Like, I want to see if this matches like what mm. I'm writing. Well, about. and I think that's so cool because it's a, it's a, it, I think a lot of times when we are not really kind of out there in the world, like expressing ourselves in a sexual or sensual manner, it's often because we aren't sure mm-hmm. within ourselves. Yeah. Like, is this is this really me or is this just me right this moment because I'm having a kinky day or yeah. something? You know what I mean? Yeah. Something like that. Um, and even, like, there's so many things are always coming to my brain. Like, I keep seeing about what's that, whatever the word is for that Japanese um uh, art of tying somebody up. Oh, ka- is it kabuki? It's a, a show. Ch- oh God, I can't remember what it's called. It's not kabuki, but it's. But isn't kabuki is like something? It's kabuki like... is like the makeup and the. Yeah, nah, somebody look it up. Because guy... <laughs> a friend of mine. Cause we were a... just looking at this shit on the date I was on. <laughs> a friend of mine just learned how to tie up people, and she like she did a whole thing on what's. Shibari. Shibari. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. I want someone to tie me up and pick me up and just right. carry me. Oh my God. <laughs> that would be so hot. It's anyway. so hot and it's a trust thing. Yeah. And I think that that, to me, there is nothing sexier than trust. Mm. Nothing at all. Because if I am in a situation where I trust my partner, or I trust my lover, then all bets are off. Like it is on and popping, yeah. you know, yeah. and it's, there's nothing that feels, yeah. you know what I mean? Right. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that feels yeah, more empowering than to give yourself over yeah. to somebody who you know is gonna take care of you mm-hmm. and your body. Mm-hmm. Who, they're gonna you know, take care of you yes. and they're gonna take care of you. Yes, they are. <laughs> like and it's the yeah. combination yeah. of the of care. Absolutely. And trust. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. And honestly, I feel like those relationships are fewer and further between. Like mm. it's not for me, it's not every partner that I feel that with, even if we're trying our best to like communicate. It's yeah. just not sometimes it's a very um much about the synchronicity and like the connection. Yes. And sometimes that could be cultivated too. But yeah. Yeah. I do, yeah. It's crazy. Um, I wanted to ask you uh another question yeah. about your experience with erotic writing and just 
um, being a black woman, a black writer, a, wo a woman writer of erotic, like what has that experience uh, been like? Gosh, I mean, so it's been a long time since I wrote anything it's been fun kind of rereading are you, you're know? writing a book right now though i am i'm writing a book i'm writing a book that is related to women and the kind of dynamic that they have where they're not necessarily getting their needs met mm -hmm. in their relationship mm -hmm. and whatever that relationship may be mm -hmm. um and i think there is a dearth <laughs> you know there's there's a there, there's an issue yeah. with um a lot of like wives in america yeah. i think and <laughs> and I, I you know i have a there, friend right okay i don't have another episode about a that whole honestly, episode, yes a, a, a lot of um women who listen to this podcast are wives and yeah. a, as well and the stories that um i get often in my instagram uh dms are yeah. People sharing not and not just wives, also husbands have reached out too mm. to just talk about the pain of like not being able to find the intimacy with their partner or Huge. wanting the intimacy, but just not being on the same page about how to get it. And with women, often I've had people tell me that they've never had an orgasm and they're like 45, 50 years old and they're like, Huge. I'm actually done because like. I mean, I, this is something that needs to happen and you're not even trying now. Yeah. And it's like, I I definitely can understand in a marriage how people could drift apart from each other because I've been there with my husband. Mm -hmm. I can also understand how that can cause also sexual intimacy, affectionate intimacy, yeah. emotional intimacy to also, you know, yeah. Uh, just, yeah, so... Yeah, because once you start drifting, um, it takes a concerted effort on both people's parts to pull back because, again, it's a trust issue. And if you are in a position where you are losing trust, you know, maybe not necessarily losing it, but where it isn't at the forefront mm -hmm. of your relationship, then you're in trouble. Yeah. You know, you you can really be in trouble. And so it. I think a lot of times, especially with heterosexual relationships, mm -hmm. you know, the woman wants to talk it out or to talk about it or whatever. And the man doesn't really want to talk. You know, he kind of wants to be like, well, let's just not talk about it and everything will get better. Yeah. And that isn't the way it works. Yeah. And then this is why women are the ones that are asking for divorces mm. more than men are mm. these days. Back in the olden days, it was men leaving their wives. And that is a whole, it's a whole different world right now. And I've interviewed a lot of women mm. um, over the past like five years as I'm gathering information about this next book. Yeah. And it is fascinating yeah, what's I'm happening sure. out there. Absolutely. Yeah. And so your lens as a, a black woman yeah. writer, like how do you feel, how does that inform what you're writing? Absolutely. I mean, it really does. It's huge. And it it's huge because black women are seen and has have historically been seen, especially in this country, a certain way. Mm -hmm. So we're often seen as 
hypersexual or angry or not that smart mm. or whores mm. or whatever, a whole world of things that have nothing to do with us mm -hmm. <laughs> right. um, or as not wanted, mm. you know, mm -hmm. a lot of um, men in the African-American community are being like penalized and, and all this other stuff about the way they treat uh, black women. And, and a lot of them have risen up and said, that's not the way I feel about black women. And so, but there's all, there's this whole world of stereotype that we can't seem to really shake. Mm. And so me as a black female writer, it's, it's an easy thing to lay down my words. It's a harder thing to share. Mm. Who girl, you speaking to all the writers right now, yeah. poets, yeah. <laughs> fiction. It's like it's hard. I can put it down on paper, yeah. but because also sometimes what people don't understand is like sometimes there's so much emotion that goes into mm. writing the thing. Oh my God, yes, and like that's a whole journey that mm. can be arduous emotionally, and then there's also um the journey of sharing and and people can say like oh I just write for me I don't care what you say when you share it you write for you <laughs> and you write for other people too yeah and um it's not that that has to like inform your pen but then it does become important to feel validated or to feel like people are reading it or that you know it's like when it's precious to you you mm -hmm. want the world to treat it preciously well or for somebody like me it's it's about people really seeing me, mm. which is really hard because mm. I'm a public person, you know, and I'm also a social person. But it's really hard when I because when I write, I'm pouring out stuff that yeah. I don't know if I really want people to read, you yeah. know, and I don't know if I really want people to see. And even when my book, my book is called Sacred Girl. When that came out and when we were headed towards the book release party, I just sat in my chair in my living room and cried. Oh, and a yeah. friend of mine was like, what on earth? And she was sitting there in front of me on her knees, you know, talking to me and consoling me. And I was like, I don't know if I want my thoughts and my feelings out in the world because yeah. it's such a vulnerable place yeah. to be. Yeah. And I have most of my life not really wanted to be vulnerable. I'm not like that now. I'm in a place in my life now where I'm okay with that because mm -hmm. I feel very strong and very empowered and very um, able to protect myself in the places and ways that I need to protect myself, mm. not in every single way. Like I used to be, I used to be like, not yeah. <laughs> like I was overprotecting of myself, you know, yes, I've been there. you too. know, um, but so it is, it's very challenging when you're seen as a black woman, when you are a black woman and you're seen by a lot of the stereotypes and the historical pain that we've been through instead of by who you are now mm -hmm. and what you're saying yeah. and if what you're saying is relevant you know you want the message to be at the forefront 
You don't want your, you know, gender and race to necessarily be at the forefront. I am a black woman and everything that I do in life comes from that place. Yeah. Um, and I love, I wouldn't want to be anything else. Yeah. I would not want to be anything else, honey. Same. I love black women mm-hmm. and I love being a black woman. Okay. You know? Thank you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but can I say too that I think um I've been thinking about the the literary canon just as a whole and mm-hmm. I think we're we've moved into a place where um people are wanting more authentic stories so like you know not these you know white authors trying to tell stories about people of color we don't really want that and i think also mm-hmm. stories where <coughs> we're really excuse me thinking about people's um wholeness and i've been thinking about that a lot because um i'm getting ready to publish a book and i was like struggling to figure out what this book was because I was like just I felt a lot of pressure to like make sure that my voice as a black woman was coming through and the and it's really actually a story about um my husband and I like separating and exploring Mm -hmm. divorce and me traveling the world and meeting people and and uh, our journey to like you know, d- just that first year of marriage that fucking sucks. Mm-hmm. And um, I was trying to look for stories from black women that mm. talked about that. And it was really hard to find them. Yeah. And I was like, oh, actually, I need to tell this story because I need people to see that, yes, I'm a black woman and I am going through something that's so profoundly nuanced and heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. And being a black woman is absolutely a part of my lens of like what's going on. But I need, I need this part of the story to really be talked about. And I need my lens to add to that style of memoir or that style Mm -hmm. of coming of age in your Mm thirties, you know, that I, I couldn't find um, a voice that uh, I felt like drawn to in that time so especially a nonfiction, yeah voice because yeah. I remember I was watching the um the Toni Morrison documentary recently and it is so powerful Hell if yeah, y'all are out there <laughs> check that out and um one of the things that she was talking about was writing And not being, um, not coming from, not being under the auspices of the white gaze. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. And so it is so critical that black women are speaking and, you know, taking that reign. You know, Toni Morrison is now gone from us, but there are many, many (laughs) black women writers still out there. But taking that you know, responsibility on and speaking from our own gaze Mm. to, you know, our own people or whoever wants to read or whoever wants to listen, but allowing our own experience, which is a unique experience, you know, allowing that to, to come out without thinking, is this going to be palatable to white people yeah 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 because it's sometimes it's not and it's and if it's not for them it's not for them there are many things in the in this world that are not for me they're Mm -hmm. not they're not meant for me Mm -hmm. um they're i'm expected 
to take a lot of that in because of the country that we live in Mm -hmm. um, and what's expected of a lot of people is to think of the white lens as the lens Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. the primary lens yeah you know and the and the important lens the more important lens Mm. when the reality is is that that isn't my lens and that's okay yeah you know yeah yeah it yeah I it's it's more than okay and actually Mm -hmm. I prefer it Uh, so that I'll just whatever um but I was gonna ask you oh have you read um Difficult Women by Roxane Gay Oh God, I love Roxanne Gay. I know. Yeah, but no, I have not read you Difficult have Women. I love Roxanne Gay book. though. Oh my gosh. Oh my God. Literally, okay, so let me just paint a picture. Yeah. So I am in the New York City subway terminal at oh, what's the big one? I'm forgetting. Um not Grand Central, mm. the other one. Mm. It's the one by the Times. Oh, God. Oh, gosh. I don't That's know. so bad that I forgot. I literally used to live there. That's really oh, bad. Oh, no. Sorry, New York. I can't remember, but <laughs> I'm sure still somebody loves will you. tell me. She somebody still loves you, New York. <laughs> Penn Station. Okay, Penn Station. Woo, I was at Penn Station. Yeah. Getting ready to catch a train to Montreal for the weekend by myself. Lovely. Because I did not have kids. <laughs> At that time, and <laughs> I could go wherever the oh, fuck I the wanted. Pla- oh, the places will go. Right. With I, and I just booked the trip the day before. Oh so, you God. know, I was living. Yeah. So um, I'm walking through the terminal and I see this book and it has a like a fragmented pink heart and it's all black. And it said it just says Difficult Women mm-hmm. by Roxane Gay. And I know nothing about Roxane oh Gay. I know nothing about what's going to be inside. And I just picked it up and I turned over the cover and I saw... Roxanne and I said okay now I'm really interested and then I read the back of the book and it was like short stories about you know women and all of their nuance and yes beautiful and then over the weekend in Montreal on the train I'm reading that book I'm like I can't get an I'm insatiable like I cannot get enough of it I'm going to the bar and I'm reading it people are trying to talk to me and I'm like I know you see me with my book right now. Okay. Don't talk to me right. when I'm reading. You what see is this wrong book with in people? my hand. Oh my gosh. And I went I went there kind of to meet people. I'm mm-hmm. not gonna lie. I was kind of sure. just like, let me get mixy. But then the book was like, no, we're spending the weekend right. reading. And so Roxanne Gay has just like her ability to step into uh, a woman's shoes and her characters are mostly black women in this um, collection of short stories, but like they're from like Michigan, mm-hmm. deep Michigan yeah. and Southern California. And every voice is so authentic that mm-hmm. you're just like, how did you, yeah. how did you do that? Yes. And the stories are just fucking, I'm just going to say this. Okay. One of my favorite stories in the book is about a woman who um, watches a masseuse uh, from her balcony give all of these guys like happy endings. Wow. Yeah. And she can kind of, <laughs> excuse me, um, that we cough. Oh gosh. Um, <laughs> she can kind of tell that the woman's not really into it. And for some reason she's so turned on by her that she goes down to the massage place and they end up like having a tryst Ooh. with one another. And I was like, wow, my pussy's wet. First of all. Yeah. And <laughs> like, where did you come up with this idea? I've never seen this character in a short story shining like this. And I feel like I know people mm-hmm. that this could happen to mm-hmm. and 
that's honestly what inspired me to get into writing short stories because I, I was I like, I love short stories too. And I just I really appreciate when characters have wholeness and nuance and there's things going on outside of whatever the moment is that they're like spending with someone. Well, I think too that when we write a short story and the characters are so nuanced and are having these thoughts and things that might seem bad or whatever, that a lot of times what we, I don't know, it's almost like a fantasy, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. or thoughts that we've had. What if, because I, yeah. when you, when you think about the way the brain works, it's always firing, always, 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 always firing. Yeah. And even when we're sleep asleep, it's firing, right? And so the the scenarios and fantasy scenes and fears and all the things that go through our brain all the time, sometimes there's a story in there. Yeah. Very often there's a story in there. I wrote a story many years ago. I don't know how many years ago, but I don't know, 30 or something years ago called uh, The Writing on the Wall. Mm -hmm. And I wrote that story. The story is about a woman in college and she goes into a bathroom stall and there's writing on the bathroom stall Mm -hmm. from someone to her. And it's another girl who is in love with her and then she writes back and then they start having this um you know little writing affair um and you know later on things occur um but Mm -hmm. I I I (laughs) and I think I wrote that story when I was in college or like you know in a, and I went to an all women's college oh my gosh all women's if you yeah I'm in an all women's college well it was last year we're not gonna talk about it people go they gonna know which one I go yeah. to because it whatever yeah um but I was yeah I I really enjoyed that experience yeah yeah but I I thought to myself as many times as I go in the bathroom and I'm seeing like all this writing what if it was more that what if that is a tool or a mechanism for people to come together in some way mm-hmm. and it's a safe place because you're not writing somebody a note or where you can be rejected mm. you know that type of thing because i think a, a, women come from mm. a place of fear of rejection yeah. so i often. think people in general i did a whole adult happy hour on rejection ah. and it was one of the most popular ones Mm. because literally everyone experiences feelings of rejection Mm -hmm. and we never ever talk about it we don't because again that's a place of vulnerability that people don't want to get into it's so it we live in so much fear sometimes of of people seeing us for who we are and then rejecting that yeah yeah. For real. Like, yeah. For real. Absolutely. Oh, man. We we could go so many places, but mm-hmm. um, I am going to move us now um, to Pillow Talk with Lynn. So, um, Pillow Talk, 
You're familiar with Pillow Talk, I'm sure. Yes, (laughs) ma'am. I love how the voice just got a little bit lower, too. It's like, you familiar? (laughs) Yes, I certainly am. I'm an avid listener. (laughs) Well, and also I feel like um, Pillow Talk is just, Honestly, one of my favorite parts of being intimate with someone mm-hmm. is just that that after conversation when you bared your soul and now you're ready to bear your soul. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love it. It's like <laughs> if it if it was a kink, it would definitely be one of my kinks, I think. <laughs> anyway, um love the segue. Kink uh kink positive uh talk over here, but mm-hmm. I wanted to talk to you about your um your wonderful workshops that you give. Mm-hmm. Um and and I I I would love for you to tell us about them because I don't know if I could even do it justice. Yeah, I would love to. So, um I do have one coming up. It's probably going to be um, the, in the first of the year um, in January. But I have done um, a workshop that I call Yoni Yoga. Mm. And Yoni meaning vagina. Yes. For those out there that don't know, pussy yoga. <laughs> Hell yeah. Honestly, <laughs> we should just call it that. Right? <laughs> I know. I don't I think I might scare people on the flyer though. If I I, mean, if I should they that, be but, there if they're scared? But right. <laughs> yes. Period. But it does say on my old flyer, it does say it does say pussy. It says like, um, pussy liberation or something like that like i'll show you the flyer <gasps> this is giving me the best idea but Ooh, i'm gonna save it i'm gonna save oh, it good, i'm gonna save good. it Ooh, I can't i'm gonna wait tell to you offline please hold on to it in your head don't lose it because i really want to know okay okay but yeah so it is really from it started just from a biological perspective because when it comes to your pussy if you don't use it, you will lose it. You say pussy so pretty. I've been trying oh, to, you. I've been really trying, like, practicing, like, pussy, pussy, pussy. It is one of my favorite words. It, but, like, sometimes if you, I don't know, I just want to make sure that it's, like, sexy. Like, pussy deserves to be said. I, I with think a that little... it's always sexy. Like, no matter who says it or how you say it, it's sexy. I just want to make sure I say it right. Like you can't say it wrong. Okay, okay. Well, that's good to know. You cannot. <laughs> okay. Rihanna said I sound good. Yes. Okay. All right. right. Pussy, pussy, pussy. Thank you. Pussy. And so it comes from that. Of so it's again, it's a faction of self care, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, wh- whether you are a someone who identifies as a woman or non-binary or as a man with a vagina. Whatever it is that you, is your history with your vagina, it deserves and needs care and strengthening Mm. and stuff like that. It's not just like what you see on the outside. It's not just your vulva. It is 
it's on the inside, like uh, there's been research out there. I don't know who decided to do this kind of research, but somehow, some way, somebody like me, there's some, well, there's some sort of like you know, uh, uh, pussy researcher out there. Oh my god, that, bestie, that, hit me up. Right, I'm ready to talk to you, boo. Okay, okay. <laughs> but they have found that like. Um, they they've they have there's been how do you put it um uh, uh autopsies on like mm-hmm. nuns mm-hmm. right where the vagina is like super decomposed and super just you know it, before they were gone because there was before they died because there was no, they're just completely falling apart or have fallen apart and have basically just corrupted inside of their body from lack of use and lack of movement. Because even if you are, you know, masturbating or whatever, like your muscles are working. And so it's like pussy fitness, right? Mm. So you've got that going on. But if you're somebody who never, and there are a lot of women who never, (laughs) Go there. Don't. They are not familiar with Tracy's dog or with any of the other dog. They're just not right. Or the or the rose. They're not familiar with their own hands. Mm. They're just not. And mm. there's a again. There's this comfort level that's you know we can we can lay it on the patriarchy. We can lay it on misogyny. But it takes generations of women trickling down to their daughters and their granddaughters to lay that shame on them to where we don't want to touch ourselves or become familiar with ourselves. And so if your pussy is corroding mm. because of lack of attention, you know, um, then that's something to, that it's important to peel back the layers of why in your head that's going on. Yeah. And, and so it's not just a lack of sex. It's, it's a lack of attention. That's so interesting because I've heard of that study and I feel like I need to find it now because I'm hearing Mm -hmm. it twice and I should probably read it um, or read, you know, the abstract at least. Mm -hmm. But um, (laughs) I love reading a study abstract. Yeah. What's so funny, though, is that when you were talking, I realized that I was doing Kegels. Yes. 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 And I have this like habit of when I'm listening to people like intently, like I'll do Kegels just because I I don't I don't know when it developed. Like I realized that I could flex that muscle, Mm -hmm. and so now I just am like sitting here just going. (laughs) Keep it going because Kegels, you know, are so. It's almost kind of annoying that they have that name. I don't even know nothing about it. I just because, know you're squeezing your pussy. Yeah, yeah. So, so yes. So squeeze your pussy. You don't really have to think of uh, of it as an exercise. Sit there, and while you're wa- if you're gonna sit there and watch your favorite show, if you're gonna sit there, you know, inhaling the housewives or whatever it is you're watching, sit there and squeeze your pussy, okay? Because and and when I one of the things I do in yoni yoga, which I think is really really important for women to settle in, mm-hmm. right? To take some breaths, to do some breathing exercises, to connect your breath to your movement. And that is 
what, you know, yoga is all about is connecting your breath to your movement. Mm. But if you are looking at it from a standpoint of all of your body systems and all of the things that make your reproductive system work and even if you're not planning to reproduce it's still there yeah and so it still needs to to be attended to mm. and so one that's very the kind of at the forefront of what we do in yoni yoga is settling into our bodies and taking those mm. deep breaths and really allowing ourselves to focus on the workings of our pelvis, our pelvic floor, the inside of our vaginas, our vulva, and how mm. all of those mechanisms are at our, you know, the in and around the root chakra, mm -hmm. you know, and just, and I, and I, I, teach a class called, I've, I've have in the past taught, not in, in the very recent past, actually, um, taught a root chakra class mm. and, and also just yoni yoga, just focused on what's happening down there mm -hmm. and keeping the blood moving and using our breath mm -hmm. to facilitate that. It, again, the gift that keeps on giving, because now I'm like, we could do a whole podcast on the sacral chakra and, yes. the, and the connection with the root chakra sure. and creativity and creating life and creating art and like, yes. <sighs> yes. okay, but I wanted to say something about settling in yeah. um, and that is so I'm in a place right now where my body is settling back into itself mm. because, you know, I've just given birth and yes. there was a lot of work that my sacral chakra mm -hmm. area was doing and that my womb was doing. And um, I have been a little surprised because there's always this like idea that when you have a kid, like I remember in like high school someone saying that it's like afterward your pussy's like throwing a hot dog down a hallway and so I was always right that's terrifying right that's and terrifying to just, women and not true right so that's yeah. what I was gonna say is that now that I have had a child my pussy is actually tighter than it was before same and my yeah. g-spot is lower <gasps> same and so I'm actually like really getting off on penetrative sex for the first time yes. in what my is life that? I was so shocked when I I, be, I was so much more multi-orgasmic following oh having a baby. I was like, what on earth happened to my pussy? What it's happened? It's insane. It's crazy. My So my husband was hitting it from the back earlier mm -hmm. before I got here. Hey. Can, <laughs> and, yes, that's the way to start a Saturday. Right. And, you know, we had a little intimate moment. We were showering together Love and it. like it. it was it was cute. But he bit me over the bathroom counter and we haven't had sex in that position since having the baby. Mm -hmm. And immediately when he slid it in, mm -hmm. I, I, my, I was already shaking. Mm -hmm. And then he just kept going. And I was literally screaming mm -hmm. because it felt so good. And yeah. I have I've I've had a lot of um, sex, you know, from that angle yeah but this was the first time that my pussy was it just was screaming like right. from the first stroke yeah I think that is interesting and I have had other conversations about this particular phenomenon yeah because doggy style as it is 
so commonly known, mm-hmm. isn't always necessarily a woman's favorite. It's not. You know. It wasn't always mine before. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, but, you know, men have a tendency to really like that position. And, you and know, they think, yeah. Yeah, and they think for some reason that we do. And sometimes they also just like, it's like, if you really want to get into doggy style in the sexy way, you the foreplay should be elite. The foreplay because has to be on to be, point. It yes. needs to be ready to fucking Honey, go. It needs to be like macaroni in a pot. Right. Okay. It really right. does. Yes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so. <laughs> and so, yeah. And that's so true. And it, and, and I think what you're saying with the G spot coming down it is so much more accessible when, you know, post-birth for me and I guess for other women too, because I had certainly never heard of this. This isn't a conversation I ever had with my mother or my grandmother. Yes. Cause I'm like, what was that? You know? And so, and so, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's education, you know, like, we don't talk we don't have a lot of education on the way women's bodies work and when I was growing up and when I was in grammar school and stuff like that in the 70s it was you know sex education was basically about um how not to get pregnant and as a young catholic girl coming up in the catholic school system in the catholic diocese that sounds so naughty oh my god I mean listen you have stories yes honey listen (laughs) catholicism has probably made me uh, freakier than I probably would normally be um but it's it, it was all about um condoms and all 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 of these things to anything to stop you from getting pregnant and you know and just like not having sex or you know all of that and nothing about the workings of a woman's body yeah. and or even the many extremely interesting things about the reproductive system. I didn't know anything about my own reproductive system. And then I went to college, mm. even at Spelman. I love you, Spelman. But why was my sex education class about the penis? Okay. I oh, mean, no. I, at this all girls school. At an all girls school. And I'm oh, like, I can no. tell you what the vas deferens is. I can tell you what the meatus mm. is. Mm. But I could, I got to 40 years old and couldn't figure out how to, to get pregnant and didn't even know how any of that worked until I was trying to have a baby. That's crazy. It's crazy. When I lost my virginity, I had no clue what was going to happen. <laughs> like, oh, I didn't know where he here. was going or where I was going. It was or just... Or where the cum was going. Right. I just knew that dicks got hard. Yeah. Because I learned that in sex ed. Sure. I knew how that process worked. Yeah. I didn't know anything about my uh, how I would be turned on. I didn't on. know anything either. <laughs> and I was in college. I was in college, okay, when I lost my virginity. And I didn't have the... Vi- I and I was... And baby. I had already been... Talk about that. Okay, but I had already been writing erotica, but most of my erotica was 
lesbian erotica or girl girl erotica mm-hmm. because my my rationalization or my my reasoning for that is I don't know anything about how men feel. Yeah. I don't. I was also having sex with girls mm-hmm. and I wasn't talking mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I feel like I've just stepped into a place where I'm like, actually, let's talk about yeah. that. Let's like, talk about Well, that. not even just like, mm-hmm. I don't think it's ever been like a secret, but yeah. I think, um, I don't know. I just, I feel a lot more comfortable with women mm-hmm. and um, a lot more able to trust. Yeah. And I think that that just happened more naturally and organically first. Mm-hmm. And um, then, yeah. And then I, you know, met a man and ever since then, <laughs> I've just been lusty. And now lusty. I'm like, yeah. yeah. And now I'm polyamorous and like, yeah. you know, I have the opportunity to explore um, that desire sure. that, and I, um, anyway, that's a long winded way of me. Um, I don't know, but whatever <laughs> I was going to say, I was going to ask you, uh, a follow-up question, but it left me. We're going to uh, edit this out. That's okay. Um, it'll find you again. It'll, fi- it'll, it'll come. That's what happens when, uh, the episodes are sponsored by Sativa. Yeah. Oh, but <laughs> let me, I know. Let me say this. Okay. The whole, like, losing your virginity thing. So, I lost my virginity when I was at Spellman, and I had, was spending the night at my boyfriend's room over at Morehouse, mm. and we came back in the morning, and the f- back then, I don't know if this is still the case because this was back in the 80s. The gates are locked, they lock you out, and the gates had barbed wire fence. So, you because you are supposed to be in your dorm, sis, you are not supposed to be over at Morehouse losing your virginity. Okay, you're just not. They kind of forced you. I mean, listen, I, I, I was, I, I, I did what I had to do. So, I took his coat and threw it over the barbed wire, climbed the fence, jumped over the fence, scaled the brick wall of my dorm. I told, I, I had called my roommate from like the payphone, and I was like, open the bathroom window. So uh, I, I climbed the wall and I was in pain because I had just lost my virginity and I did not know anything. So when the fluids start coming down, I was like, am I dying? What's oh, happening? What God. is this? Because for whatever reason, I went, I went to Chicago for Christmas. I talked to my aunt and I was like, so yeah, the fluid all fell out. And she said, what did you think was supposed to happen? What, what did you think? I said, I thought it just went into my body and dissipated through my veins. And went through. She was like, girl, are you kidding me? And I said, nobody's ever had a conversation with me about that what goes up must come down. Nobody right. said anything, <laughs> oh you know? Gosh. So I was just ignorant. And, uh, you know, the, the fortunately now, or, or unfortunately, <laughs> there is the internet and social media. Yeah. And so the youth of today have a little bit more of a, you know, education at their fingertips. They're not going to be standing there gosh. like, is my uterus <laughs> falling out of my body? Yeah. What's happening? <laughs> I again that could be a whole other episode because I'm always curious to talk about you know like when sex education like should start and I've been looking at research for a while um, and one of the things it says it's like 
it should start when the child shows interest or like has questions. And in order for that to be true, there has to be like a relationship and an openness that they can come and like talk to you when they're ready to have those kinds of questions. And um, yeah. And a lot of kids don't have anybody. To you know, oh, to, not and, to talk to you about sex, oh yeah, because no. grown-ups be they're like, you're not ready for that, you're not doing that. My like, mother read my diary when I was like, I think maybe the eighth grade or ninth grade, maybe, and all I was doing was writing about like curiosity, and she she read my diary and lost her entire mind, mm. lost her entire And I'm like, I'm not doing any of these things. You know, I'm just writing about it because this is my safe space. Yeah. You know, and I, I had some idea of things because I was always reading dirty magazines at my dad's house and stuff like that. And so I, I you know, I had some idea and I read Lots of books. I spent half my life at the library and nobody could stop you from reading anything, Mm. (laughs) you know, back in those days because there was no, nobody was monitoring you, you know. And so I was writing from a place of curiosity and having questions and not really knowing that much. And she was like, like, oh, my God, you know, just thinking I was going to the burning, (laughs) the burning pyres of hell or whatever. And and so it's. It's so important to have open communication with your kids. I mean, my child is 13 and there is nothing that we cannot talk about. Yeah. 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 And I'm hoping for that, too. Something I just realized while listening to you that I think perfectly ties back to your work as um, a pussy yoga teacher mm-hmm. is I love that. Yeah, love, I've never thought of myself as a pussy yoga teacher before. <laughs> really, but yes, yeah. I mean, you're hosting workshops, but yeah, sure. what I was realizing just now is um, that uh, you've talked. You were talking a little bit about your own sort of like lack of people um, sharing knowledge and educating, and now you're like creating communities where like women can do that. Like literally, um, I, I don't want to speak for you, but like that work of realizing that you don't even know about your own anatomy, like Mm -hmm. that brought me to doing this where people get to listen and learn things. And I think it's so, I think something I've been thinking about in terms of our journeys, destinies in life is oftentimes like the things we step into really passionately come from having to work through our own difficulties with them and wanting to help other people like get over that fence you was climbing at Spellman a little bit quicker. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Not having to climb the fence at all, y'all. Right, How about that? Right. Okay. You know, climb, climbing up a brick wall just to get into the <laughs> building where I live. Right. Come on now. Just to know that it's a, it's a vulva and the vagina is a tunnel. And Thank just you. even that. Your vulva is not your vagina, <laughs> right. people. Right. Oh, my goodness gracious. Okay, so um, I want people to know where they can find you, connect with you, take up coming workshops yeah. and things so yeah tell uh, tell our listeners how they can follow up with Miss Kenya oh thank you so you can find me on Instagram at Ruby and V R U B as in boy Y E and like Nancy V like Victor Y and 
My website is rubyenvywellness.com, and your listeners are hearing it first here. Yes, how exciting. Please go visit please so we can get do. some hits on that thing. Oh, my God. Please If go you visit. appreciated hearing Miss Kenya's perspective, then please get up on the internet and yes. go click on the thing and see what she has to offer because she's an amazing, amazing teacher and yes. you will live. Yes. Thank you. And and, and let me say It'll this, too. It'll be linked in the show notes, too. Okay. And yeah. let me say this, that nobody, especially when it comes to a workshop, nobody is turned away for lack of funds because it is so important to me that women are able to connect to themselves and their bodies and just regular yoga, yoni yoga, stretching workshops, whatever it is, it'll all be on my website. Um, And it's brand spanking new. So actually nothing's on, very little is on the workshop section now but please go to my website and explore it because I'm really proud of it and I really want it to be a place where people can um find a home yeah we love resources and sharing wonderful resources with people and um I would love to also link like uh an erotic story maybe or like uh, if you have work that we could put in the show notes I was trying to find something yeah I don't know how you feel about this but maybe for like the Patreon either you or I could like read I would actually love to read (gasps) one of your stories my god that is the best idea and I would absolutely love (laughs) that so I guess we're having a Patreon and you can find Kenya's story in my voice reading it if you're into that kind of thing and I have a Patreon and the the link is on is in my website so Wonderful. yeah but that would be amazing uh, please you could read the phone book and I would be thrilled yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna read something you wrote I, that's even better yes <laughs> I love it okay well um yeah. with that we are so thankful that you came and joined us uh for Thank today you. and um just such a blessing to receive and to uh be in conversation with you and we're definitely gonna have to have you back because we got a lot of other things to talk about oh please (laughs) i would love that all right but um thanks for listening everyone and we will see you on the next episode before we go want to give a few shout outs first to our wonderful dynamic just illustrious beautiful producer and sound engineer Rihanna Simone um, who is in the studio with us every week producing and making sure we sound good and making sure everything makes sense Um, if you want to see more of her work there'll be links to her social media in the description for our show Um, and also our theme song is produced by Rihanna Natural Phenomenon and features poetry by me and the beautiful angelic full voice that sounds like honey Timbriel. you can find her social media and links also in our description and you can even find a link to natural phenomenon on spotify if you'd like to hear the whole thing which you do so go give it a listen (laughs) 
One thing I love about Adult Happy Hour is we have a wonderful community of listeners. And this all started with an Instagram post, which led to weekly discussions, sharing resources, learning, and so much more. I get so excited when y'all see me in public and tell me you've come from something you've heard on the show or when you DM me to tell me you did some kinky shit and I want us to continue having moments like this. If you learned something tonight or if you really just enjoy hearing us giggle, join us on Patreon where you can hear behind the scenes shenanigans hotels and conversations that just get deeper and juicier it also helps us to continue bringing you the content that you love so follow the link in our bio and if you're not already following us on instagram what are you doing jk um you can find me at poetry and tings and we do adult happy hour in my story every single thursday i cannot wait to hear from you and thank you so much for supporting us